All right, welcome to the Red Triangle Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kozlowski, the Desert Dog, joined tonight by Eddie Mitchum, Steel Curtain. How's it going, Ed? Going great, Matt. Training camp starts this week. Yes, sir. Steelers start this week, right? Are they one of the teams that start this week? I honestly don't even know. I think we're two weeks away from uh, first preseason games, too. That sounds right. Um, I was just roughly looking at the schedule as I started our draft guide and uh, saw some August 5th. So I wasn't looking too closely. I was just thinking it would be roughly that week. So, two weeks away. Hard Knocks probably starting up soon. Um, looking forward to that. Tampa Bay is Tampa a good team to do Hard Knocks for. A lot of young personalities. So. Yeah, I think that will be a fun one to watch. A lot better than last year's. Yeah, I mean, last year was cool because there was the comic relief of Jeff Fisher <laughs> saying that they weren't going to go eight and eight again, which everyone knew eight and eight was eight and eight was the ceiling being the roof for the Rams. Um, and then, like, it was cool seeing how a how a team relocated to a new city, but that was the first episode. And then after that, yeah, it kind of fell off. Yeah, it was pretty bad. It was comical watching Jared Goff play to try to play quarterback too, but um, and the real sleeper at last season was Chris Wanky. I know you're a null guy. He, yeah, he was a good watch. He knows his stuff. I like Chris Wanky. Yeah, he'd uh, hold the clipboard for all those years in the league. I guess you learn how to watch film. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know if he made it through the new coaching. I I doubt it. I don't know either. Right. Quarterback coaches don't really get publicity. That's true. Um, but this year we'll get to see maybe Charles Sims get cut. Right? Maybe. That's your that's your bold prediction for the for the Bucks camp. Alright, enough about the NFC South. That's how we started the podcast out for this year. Um, wrapping up the NFC tonight with the NFC East. Um Best Fantasy Division in the NFC? Mm. I know we started out with the South, but I think this one might be better. South's pretty rich for me. Ran a, twi- ran a Twitter poll um, on at Red Triangle 23 of the quarterback-wide receiver combos um, that you'd rather have from the NFC East for this year. There's some good ones. You got Eli and OBJ... Dak and Dez, Wentz and Alshon, and Kirk Cousins, and Breyer. And I think it's just because a lot of the followers of us right now are like the dudes in this area. And that's why Wentz and Alshon won. Um, who would you give your vote to if you... Did you vote? No. Nice. Who my Twitter's... You, I don't even know how to get into my Twitter anymore. <laughs> Um, who who would you have voted for if you had a vote? It's just one. It's just quarterback and one receiver tandems. Just like which which tandem would you rather have from the NFC East in fantasy this year? Hmm. I think for me, I'd go Eli and OBJ. I said Kirk and Pryor, but you know I'm a Kirk guy, so. Yeah, I don't think it's that close for Eli and OBJ. With the addition of Marshall to help out OBJ, I think that's 
it's gonna be huge. I just picked because I thought Cousins would be the best quarterback fantasy wise by the end of the year. That was the only reason I went that way. <clears throat> Alright, let's start off with the Cowboys. Obviously, in our general overview for the Cowboys, it'd be remiss to not bring up everything that's happened with Zeke in the last couple weeks and last year, really. Um, where do you stand on Zeke? We're, I know we're waiting for, I guess, the... Hey! Got some dog action in the apartment for Ed. Um, Bentley and Stella, two cute little pups. All right, anyway, um, we're supposed to have, I think, an answer this week or next week on Zeke. I think the original investigation into the domestic issue has concluded. So we're just waiting on what that suspension is going to be. I think we're pretty much locked into the fact that there's going to be a suspension. Um, Just don't know if it's going to be one game, two games, four... I think four is the ceiling. Um, there might be an outside chance at an eight-gamer, but I think we're looking at somewhere four or under for Zeke. And to me, it doesn't knock his value down too much. Anything over four, I'd be scared away from him, but I'm interested to hear where you stand on that. I'm scared because this is a guy that... I mean, we've spent some time talking. Who's the number one guy, and I've been, I've been saying I trust him more than... DJ at the number one spot, and I think he would be my number one guy, so when I think I want to rank him in that spot, I think any suspension hurts him when you compare him to those other guys. Um, I think you're right. I think it depends how they go about it. I mean, if they hit him with, you know, different infractions and don't lump it all together, they could give him a game for this, a game for that. I mean, he's got a laundry list of offenses for player conduct policy type stuff if they give him a game or two for each one and I don't know it could it could get messy I hope it doesn't because um, I, I don't, I don't want to see something like this kind of hinder his career uh, he just seems like kind of a head case where something like this could kind of derail him and bring out more character flaws but I don't know um I think you're right. I don't think it kills him. I think he's a guy you can still have. He's going to be a weak winner. I think you just got to go about your draft differently if you get him in the first round. Yeah, I think he's a huge value at six if, if he falls down to six now, um, which is what I've been seeing, I think, is he's falling outside the top three, and the receivers are now probably safer than him. Um, but on a per-game basis, you're still talking a, a safe 15 to 20 points a game, and at 12 games, I still think he's a huge value at six because I've heard many people say this before. You don't get a zero when he doesn't play because you're filling him in with someone. You probably go with one of those um, almost like flex-type backs, like your, your pass-catching guys, like your Theoretics or your Chris Thompsons, guys like that. If you fill them in, you're looking at seven, eight points, um, maybe a little more in a PPR league, and then you're okay if you get that and you you kind of hold off on the first four weeks, try to try to win a game or two to stay afloat, and then you get Zeke back. It's almost like trading for a star. So if you get him at six, I think you're okay with it. Um, you almost – well, here's the thing. Do you have to back him up with McFadden if you take Zeke in the first round? You don't have to, but why wouldn't you? I think McFadden becomes an instant RB1 week in and week out. 
The only thing uh, that scares me is that week one matchup against the Giants. Yeah, but I think That's I think yeah. finds the end zone. I mean, it's just what they do. They're going to run the ball a ton, no matter who's back there. You're going to trust your offensive line. They just have that that thought process where they're going to line up and do what they do and see if you can stop it. I think the Giants are definitely the best defense in that division. It's not close, but I still I still like that offensive line against anyone. Is is Dez back? Is Dez due for a, a big year? I thought so. I wanted to think so. I listened to a guy today on the radio that was they did a little bit of a breakdown of this uh, this division themselves, and uh, he said that there was two teams that kind of had tough matchups in, in what they'll see in, in defensive schemes and cornerbacks that can lock down number one, and they thought that Dez kind of had the toughest track, so that sounds kind of scary, but it's still Dez Bryant. I mean, he's still going to get his numbers. I just don't know. I don't want to get too high on him because I don't trust... Um, what's his face? Jack. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a Dak believer. I tried to be for a couple of weeks last week, but I fell off that hard. That's that was going to be my next question here. Is, is Dak a safe QB one? You have him potentially as a top twelve guy. I'm looking at his game logs now, and there's some stinkers. I mean, so many weeks where he threw for one touchdown, several weeks where he threw for less than 200 yards. It's just, I don't know. It's hard with with what they want to do. They don't. He's not going to go out there and throw it a ton of time. So even when they get behind, I feel like they get back into it by controlling the clock and controlling the ball. That's how they get back into games. I actually I was spending some time tuned into the NFL Network, and they've been replaying some games. And one of the games I watched uh, recently, I watched a good portion of, was the Packers playoff matchup. And they were down in that game. And they got a pick off Rodgers. And then kind of just leaned on Zeke for a long, like, 15-play drive. Even though they were down, like, 15 and heading into the fourth quarter, they still leaned on Zeke. They weren't they weren't relying on him to go out and win them the game. Um, but See, I, I, th- I thought he was sensational in that game. He was. I but mean, you're, threw- you're talking about the faith. You didn't see the faith. Yeah, he threw for 302 and three touchdowns that game, but... It's no secret that the Packers' the secondary was atrocious. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, some of the touchdowns he threw up, I mean, I just watched it. He, he hit Witten wide open, no one within 30 yards of him in the end zone twice in the red zone. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. He can. I just don't trust his arm strength and getting the ball down the field. And that affects Des big time for me because that's what Des does. The only starter we have, well, the only clear-cut starter we have projected for less passes than uh, Dak Prescott this year, less attempts, I should say, is uh, Mike Glennon. So we have him at 517 pass attempts right now. Um, Pretty decent yards per attempt, so the yards should still be okay. But right now we have him as our quarterback 15. So just just outside the top 12. we do have him ahead of Big Ben, Phil Rivers, Carson Wentz, guys that I think we like this year. But I think part of that is the rushing numbers you're going to get from Dak. He's still 
I think, a goal line threat. Um, so I think I'm okay with Dak as a QB2, um, but I'm not looking to make him my starter. Who's your favorite cowboy? Well, right now with no suspension, it's easily Zeke. Yeah. Um, if that suspension comes, I think I shift to Dez. Yeah, I guess those are the two we're really talking about. I, I think it's Zeke. Like I said, as long as it's not more than four games, Zeke's still my favorite. Who's your least favorite cowboy? Um, I'll go with Cole Beasley. I just don't think he can repeat what he did last year. The fact that they bring in Switzer, who's the exact same guy as him, uh, raises eyebrows to me. Um, I don't, I don't know why they would bring in the exact same guy. I'm sure they're going to use him in the return game and things like that, but they're literally the same player. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of Beasley love. Um, just based on what he did last year. I don't see it either, but I, I think I like him more than Terrence Williams. Yes. So I think Terrence Williams would have to be my least favorite Cowboy. I'm not excited about him at all. I don't think he's very good, and I don't think... We've already talked about how Dak's game doesn't really play to Dez, um, and a less talented player such as Williams. It just hasn't been there for him since Romo left. He also can't stay healthy. I feel like. Yeah, he's a he. He was just always a guy that when Romo, when Romo was healthy and Romo was going, you could put Williams in your lineup. But if Romo wasn't out there, you couldn't really get any value out of him. What about a breakout candidate in Dallas? I would go Bryce Butler. I think he's a talented guy. Um, I think he. It has to be the guy that lines up opposite Dez a lot of times. Because like we said, Terrence Williams just isn't good. Bryce Butler's far superior and talented to Terrence Williams. And <clears throat> Cole Beasley and Ryan Switzer are slot guys. So I think the guy that has to line up opposite Dez has to be Bryce Butler. Um, I kind of agree with that. I think he's a clear-cut candidate to be the number two receiver this year. Not necessarily a guy I'm targeting, but we definitely could see him be the player that most people thought Terrence Williams was. But I'm going to pick Dak as my breakout candidate. Um, if Zeke is suspended, I think you're going to have to see Dak really lead this team. Um, so I could I could see a lot of boomer bust in Dak this year. And he'll probably fall yeah. somewhere in the middle because I think his numbers are pretty safe. Um, you going to say that he didn't break out last year? Uh, I could see them giving him more of a role this year. If they give him more of a role, I think he breaks out to a new level. Almost, He has a Russell Wilson way about him, I think. Um, and, you know, Russ came into the league as more of a manager. And now he's, I think, a really good quarterback. So I, I just see his career path being similar to Wilson. So that break, you know, he's been good, but I think there's a, there's more to get out of him so far. Fair? Unfair? No? Oh, well. All right. Appreciate that. Appreciate. 
Um, fantasy MVP on the Cowboys. The offensive line. You can't draft I, them, so. Can't draft them, but one or two of those guys goes down, and you're going to lose a lot of production from a lot of different guys. It's going to affect Dak immensely. Dak had nine fumbles left year behind a great offensive line. I mean, that's scary. And I think it affects Zeke big times. There was so many times where Zeke wasn't touched before five or six yards. I mean, you give a guy with talent like that five or six yards untouched. Big play potential. I'm going to go with Jason Witten as my fantasy MVP just because you can get him for about as dirt cheap as it gets. And I made fun of the guy in our league that took him last year um, because he spent a decent amount of change on him and he didn't have much to begin with. But um, I think Witten's production is still pretty safe. So if you completely punt the tight end position and go with Witten, I think you're still getting a decent decent amount there. So I think Witten could be a guy that helps propel some teams forward. All right, let's move over to the New York Giants. Two big additions to their passing game. Brandon Marshall and Evan Ingram, the rookie tight end from Ole Miss. How do you feel about these two guys um, being vaulted into the the Giants passing game that was already pretty good with Beckham and Shepard? I think it's exciting. I think it gives a big opportunity for Beckham that he hasn't had in his career yet with a talented guy that's going to command coverage opposite of him. And I think it really helps Shepard too. Um, It's easy to look at it and say that's going to be a lot of targets going for Shepard, but I think it gets Shepard into his role a little bit more and allow him to get in the slot. Um, One of the the biggest, greatest things that Shepard does is run routes. So I think getting him in the slot where he can run a ton of different routes um, and use that to get open, I think it's really going to help his production. I agree. Um, I think it's huge for them. I know when they signed Marshall, I know I texted you right away and said that it makes the Giants a legit threat in the NFC. Um, I think this is just a clear, a clear point towards where the Giants are trying to be as a football team. Um, I think they're going to throw the ball a lot this year. I don't think they're a running team at all. I think they know what they have in the backfield. And I think they know that they're going to have to rely on Eli and they needed to get him some help, him and OBJ some help so that they can have some more guys um, to really take some attention away from Beckham and allow Eli to make some throws. Because I don't think... As much as I, I like and respect Eli as a quarterback, I don't think he's one of those quarterbacks that makes receivers around him better. He doesn't have that way about him that his brother did. So he really needs big play guys on the outside um, to make that happen. And I think they've added that with Brandon Marshall. He may not be the player he was, but he's still a huge red zone threat. So I think there's two candidates for 10-plus touchdowns here in this Giants passing game with Beckham and Marshall. Let's talk about the running game. I know you're a Paul Perkins guy. Do you think he takes this job and runs with it, or is it going to be another week-to-week we're not really sure who the guy in New York is and you're not going to feel good about starting any of them? 
I think he does. <clears throat> There's no way that the Giants don't sit around as a coaching staff in the offseason and say, look, we got to find a guy at the running back position and go with him. It's been two or three years where it's been a stable of not very talented guys. It kind of felt like Perkins started to take that over at the end of the year. I think they need to get a guy and go with him. I think it, it's affecting them negatively, trying to run all these different guys with different skill sets out there. I think it's got to be Perkins and let him let him go and see what he does and give him give him a long leash and kind of settle in. They did add Wayne Gallman. I think he was from Clemson. Yes. Being the ACC guy on the podcast, what do you remember from Gallman in the Clemson-Florida State battles, if anything? The dude runs physical. Run, he runs angry. He's a big guy. Um, I think that he'll probably fit into their goal line packages. So he could definitely snipe a few touchdowns. I don't see his value being anything for fantasy, but he's going to kind of be that thorn in the side, possibly. as that goal line guy that takes away um, touchdowns for Perkins. Definitely a guy to keep your eye on, though, because if Perkins doesn't excite, I know you said they're going to give him a leash. Um, the pass, the passing handcuff to Perkins is clear. That's Vereen, Shane Vereen. That's not changing um, if Vereen can stay healthy. But you're you're definitely looking for someone to rely on if Perkins doesn't show what he can be. And I think it's similar to we'll talk about the Redskins situation later. But yeah, it's Rob Kelly's job for now. But there's a guy, a rookie waiting in the wings, Samaj P. Ryan, who. Um, I think a lot of people are excited about, and I don't think anyone's really excited about Gallman like they are about Piran, but I think you could definitely keep an eye on that situation throughout the year, and if you're able to add Gallman late, he could be a boost towards the playoff run in fantasy football. There should be some nice nice running lanes in this offense. Yeah, you'd think that they're going to get guys out of the box with those two guys on the outside, and... I mean, you mentioned, but we didn't really touch on the addition of Evan Ingram. I mean, he is—he's more of like a slot body type. He's—he's he's not going to be in there blocking anybody, but he's definitely a guy that can stretch the field for me between the hash marks. Yeah, I don't think that—I don't think they waste a first-round pick on Ingram if he's not going to—they're not going to try to make him a part of the passing game because, like you said, the blocking isn't really what he's known for. So that's another guy to keep an eye on through the preseason to see if he if he has that chemistry with Eli. We've seen Eli go to the tight end in spurts. Saw a couple nice Will tie games before. Um, and Larry Donnell was a thing for one year. So definitely a guy to keep your eye on there as well. Who's your favorite? He, he was a touchdown machine too. I mean, he had a touchdown in all but three games his last season at Ole Miss. And he, being a Florida State fan, watching that game when they opened up with them uh, in the first game of the season last year, he killed them. He went nine for 121. They couldn't cover him down the middle. Like, safeties just couldn't handle him. And Florida State typically has <clears throat> pretty good secondary. A lot of first-round picks come out of there from secondary-wise, but he killed them. I mean, he's the dude can run. I wonder if there's any of that Ole Miss connection. I mean, Eli went to Ole Miss. I wonder if he's gone back and done some workouts with the team and had some familiarity familiarity with Ingram and maybe that was why they went that way because it was kind of a pick that no one was expecting when it happened so be interesting what 
that's a sneaky thought because I know he, he does go back there and do some time in the off season and do some workouts and stuff. That could be something. All right. Uh, favorite giant. It's got to be OBJ, right? Even though I know you're not a huge fan. Um, we have to feel the best about him out of this group, right? Yeah, I think so. I know uh, I know you're high on Eli this year as well, but OBJ is about as safe as they get in the first round, in my opinion. Least favorite giant. This is tough. I like a lot of them. Yeah, I, I like this offense going this year. I, I think... Eli kind of, I think maybe we were a year, a year early on Eli. We thought he was going to take this big leap uh, with McAdoo in the second year, but I think he kind of hit like a sophomore slump with that offense. The offense didn't really go the way they wanted it to, but I do like this team. Um, I don't even, picking a least favorite is tough. <sighs> well, for me, it's got to be Shane Vereen. With all the additions to the passing game, you know, people sometimes rely on Vereen as a as a flex, as a bio week option. I just don't think it's there. Yeah, I think that's an easy pick. And sometimes the easy pick's the right way to go. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Breakout candidate. Most of these guys have already broken out, so I th- if I know you, I think you're going to go Shep here. Um... No, I think I think I'll go Perkins. I think he's going to get the workload and kind of take this job and run with it. All right. Well, I'm going to go Shepard then. Sterling Shepard, slot receiver for the Giants. There's very few teams in football that can cover three elite receivers, and I think I'm not saying Shepard's elite yet, um, but I think he has a chance to be. I think the skills are elite. So he just has to put it together, and I think this is the best opportunity he's going to get in his career to really put it together in this offense and maybe be a top 25 receiver. So he is the top breakout candidate for me. I know what you're saying about Perkins, but I just think if they loved Perkins as much as we think they should or would, they wouldn't have done so much to improve the passing game. So that's that's my view from where I sit in my chair about uh, the Giants I don't know I don't know if it was because they hate Perkins that they improved the passing game I feel like it's just they felt like they needed more I mean Beckham can only do so much with the coverage he's going to see every week the tight end's been a disaster they've never had one yeah I just don't I just don't know what like, I'm trying to think what was out there in terms of running backs. Like, I feel like Adrian Peterson would have been a good fit on this team. Um, even like a Garrett Blunt. Just someone that they could give the ball to on a consistent basis that they would have felt good about. That, would, But, I don't know. We'll see. Perkins is... So, it doesn't, it doesn't not getting them say something about how they feel about Perkins then, or no? No, I, I think... <laughs> I think they like the group that they have, but I think that's why they went out and got the passing game threats, the Ingrams and the Marshalls, along with Shepard and Beckham, because, I don't know. That's just my opinion. I think they felt like they had a group of guys that are okay, and they didn't necessarily want to bring in a fifth guy or a sixth guy, because right now they have Perkins, Vereen, Gallman, Darkwa, and Drone. So it was like, do we want to bring in another guy to compete with them, or do we want to just boost 
the passing game. You could take it both ways. Um, fantasy MVP. This is where I think I'll go, Eli. He's going real late. Yeah, and I think that maybe I was a year early. I was all over him last year. I'm not going to run and hide from it. I want to, but I don't think I can. I'm excited about this offense, so. I'm going to take Brandon Marshall as my MVP. He's going round seven, round eight. And just the touchdown guy that he is, I mean, I think the value of those touchdowns that late, you know, at that point you're looking wide receiver three on your team. He's a flex going that late. I just don't see any reason why he wouldn't put up big numbers here. So. All right, that's it for the Giants. Let's move to our hometown team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Big addition, two big additions to their offense: Legarrette Blunt and Alshon Jeffrey. They also added Torrey Smith, but I refuse to call that a big addition, even though I think he fits what their team's trying to do. Um, I, you have to feel good about the Eagles' offense too heading into this year. I feel good about all four of these offenses. I actually think maybe the Cowboys. I know they have the offensive line, but they have the least amount of skill players in this division that you can be excited about. Yeah, I think so. It's Dez and Zeke, and I kind of like Witten, but other than that, there's four-plus guys on each one of these other teams that are that you can be excited about. Let's start off with Blunt. Um, what do you see from LeGarrette Blunt? Obviously, we're not expecting another 18-touchdown <laughs> season like he had last year, but... I think there's a path to him being pretty successful in Philly. Yeah, I think I think eight to ten is certainly a fair expectation. Um, I don't know what the entire workload is going to be, but I th- he's absolutely going to be the guy that punches in uh, close to the goal line. I think that's something that they felt like they really lacked last year, and um, they definitely brought him in to do that. They kept wanting Ryan Matthews to be the goal line guy last year, and it just wasn't a thing. Um, he had a couple multi-touchdown weeks, I think, but it would take him two, three tries to punch it in from the one. That's not going to be the case with Blunt. Um, big big thing that's going to affect Blunt's play is if Lane Johnson's able to stay on the field for the whole season. Last year it was suspensions, but they ran the ball much better as a team when Lane Johnson was out there, so... This is a good offensive line if Lane Johnson's there every game. Um, you know, they still have Sproles, Smallwood. They drafted Pumphrey from San Diego State, and Ryan Matthews is still there for now. You have to believe one of those guys isn't going to make it through camp. And I don't see a reason. It's obviously not going to be blunt. Sproles is still their change of pace. I don't think they're going to quit on Smallwood or Pumphrey. So, Matthews could be a cut candidate, is, I guess is what I'm getting at. He's not a cut candidate. He's a dead man walking. He's, he's going to be out as soon as he passes the uh, physical. Trade, or they're just going to get rid of him? Oh, probably 
just get rid of him. I don't think anyone's going to... I don't think he has any trade back. Man, that stinks, because he is a talented dude when he's on the field. That's the thing, though. Yeah, I know. He's never on the field. That's that's the hard part. Alshon in Philly. I know you're an Alshon guy, or at least you were. Was this one of the best places for him to land, or no? I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like a guy that's that talented could have gone a lot of places and been successful. I think it I think it's was one of the best the Eagles could have had um, to get the, his talent and a polished guy that can come in and kind of work with this receiving core that struggled. If you can come in and be a mentor to some of these guys like Jordan Matthews, I think that could be a huge thing for this team and make them take the next step forward as a core of receivers. Um, was it the best place he could have gone? I don't know. He's still got a young quarterback. I don't know if in his eyes if it was the best place he could have gone. There's a lot of places you'd like to go and compete for a championship, and I don't think this team's there right now. Um, but he goes in as the clear-cut one, and he's going to see a lot of targets. So that aspect of it is pretty good. And then they also, I agree with everything you said there. Um, I think it's a one-year deal for him. I think that's great for him to really go out there. I think the Eagles have a need to target him a lot. And I think he could have a big season there, which would launch him to a big contract then. So I'm I'm really excited about Alshon and Philly. I think it's a good fit. They're going to put Torrey Smith opposite of him. And then they're going to, I think, line Jordan Matthews up in the slot. I don't like Torrey Smith as a player. He's a one-trick pony, um, but I think he opens up a clear path to Jordan Matthews getting back to fantasy relevance. Yeah, I, lo- I like Jordan Matthews a lot this year. I think him getting knocked back into the lot is going to be huge for him. Similar reasons, as I said, for um, Sterling Shepard in, in the Giants offense. I just think what he does best is run a pretty polished route tree. Um Hands were suspect last year, a lot of drops, so that's the big concern with him. But I think he gets helped by getting knocked back into the slot. Um, I don't think he's the kind of guy that that goes up and wins balls. And um, the current thing that I'm working on writing, I talked about how um, it's his first year in a new offense with a new quarterback and some of those things. I think I think the instinctual things like catching the ball, kind of when you're in your own head trying to do, make sure you're doing the right thing and and the immense pressure he had put on him playing in Philly and things like that, I think the instinctual things like catching the ball kind of go by the wayside. So I looked for him to have a good season getting knocked back into the spot where he should be most comfortable. Well, he's not a number one, and he was their one, two, and three last year. I mean, they had nothing with him. So adding two guys to go with him definitely takes some pressure off. And we've seen Wentz likes him. And, you know, you could even say he may not even be their – he might not – he's probably their third best option because I think Zach Ertz is a monster. So with Jeffrey and Ertz getting most of the attention, Smith taking the top of the coverage off, I'm looking for big years from Ertz, Jeffrey, and Matthews in this passing game. Even though Torrey Smith's not good, you still have to respect the speed. Yeah, absolutely. That's what he's there for. And then on 
you know, passing downs when Sproles in the backfield, that's another level of respect you have to give because, you know, say what you want about Darren Sproles. He's still a great asset in the passing game. Absolutely. So, I think Carson Wentz could have a really nice year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top 12 quarterback by the end of the year. Um, Who's your favorite Eagle for 2017? I'll go Jeffrey, but man, I like Matthews. Um, I... I like Jeffrey, I like Ertz, I like Matthews, but I'm going to go blunt here. Um, I think this is a good offense. It's going to see itself inside the 20 a lot, and I just see no reason to believe that Blunt's not a double-digit touchdown guy. We have him pegged for 11 rushing touchdowns right now, so I don't see any reason to think that that's going to, that, that's going to decline. I think he's a clear-cut candidate for 10-plus. Other than the top guys, I think Blunt and Lynch are your are your big touchdown guys this year at the running back position. So, who's your least favorite Eagle? Um, am I allowed to say Nelson Aguilar? <laughs> Is that a complete cop out? Um, no. I mean, he's he's worthless at this point. I think. Other than that, I mean. Until it shakes out, we figure out what the roles are going to be. Smallwood and Pumphrey are tough for me to get excited about because I think I think Blunt's going to take a lot of the workload, and Sproles is we know what Sproles is. So I'm just I want to see where Smallwood and Pumphrey fit in, um, how much of the first and second down workload are they going to get? Because I don't imagine either one of them eating into Sproles' third down workload because I think he's just too much of a big play guy. Um, I I see where you're going there with those guys. I guess Torrey Smith's probably my least favorite one. I know we just talked about the value that he brings to this team, but watching a lot of Eagles games last year, Wentz seems to be more of the safe throw. He had a good rapport with Ertz. Sproles had a ton of catches out of the backfield. Um, you know, Matthews runs those short intermediate routes. Jeffrey's kind of the same thing. He's not really a big play dude. And I just think there's so many guys that fit into the kind of passer Carson Wentz is that I don't see him taking as many deep shots to make Torrey Smith valuable. So, in fantasy. That's the exciting thing. He can The last time Smith had any sense of value was when he was with Flacco, who also had a big arm. Yeah. Once big arm, he can definitely get it out there once or twice. I don't think he has to. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you don't throw it out there two or three times a game – there's no sense in even having him on the field. If you're not going to show it to the defense and make them respect it, there's no sense in even lining them up out there. You're right. You're right about that. I just don't know. Like, Torrey Smith's not a ball getter for me. No. He has to be, he has to get the guy by a step or two. Ball winner. Yeah, ball winner. Ball getter, same thing. <laughs> um, And I just feel like yeah, Wentz is going to have to take that one or two shots, just as the Steelers do with Coates and uh, who's the other the other dude, Hayward Bay. But 
Wentz is also a smart player, and I don't know if he's going to be willing to, you know, young quarterback. Ben Ben takes those shots because he has a lot of confidence in what he's doing. I, I need to see Wentz do it a couple times. So I'm not drafting Torrey Smith this year. Yeah, he's also he's allowed to. Ben, yeah, like he can, he, and he, I, and Wentz is allowed to too. I mean, don't get me wrong; he has no one looking yeah. over. He doesn't need to be looking over his shoulder at all. No, he's absolutely. a legit quarterback in this league. Yeah, like, no, it's not. He has anyone looking over his shoulder, but I don't, he's not established to the point where he can come to the sideline for throwing that ball when he's not supposed to. No, not gonna last. No, you're right. Um, but the one thing I do want to say is. It's a quarterback league, and they always say you can't win the Super Bowl without a quarterback. I think the Eagles have their quarterback. If they, if there's ever a chance for them to get that first Super Bowl, it could be with this guy under center. Yeah, I agree. Um, breakout candidate for the Eagles. Who's breaking out? Um, two solid names that I feel like have been fantasy names but haven't really peaked and I think we've kind of beaten the death. Matthews has never really peaked and I don't think Ertz has either. I think both those guys could definitely break out in a big way. Yeah, for me it was Ertz and Wentz. As much as I like Matthews, I still think Jeffrey's going to be the guy. I could see, I guess, Matthews getting into top 25 and then, yeah, he's a breakout if he gets into the top 25 and is steady there. Um, I can see Ertz being the next Travis Kelsey type where we're talking about him as a top three tight end. Wentz, I think there's a clear path to him being top ten, you know? It's all going to depend on how many touchdowns Blunt takes away from Wentz in the passing game. Wentz is an athletic dude, too. I think he could run... He could run for a couple. He sneaks in some yards there. I I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if he's a top ten quarterback by the end of this year. And who's your fantasy MVP? It's got to be Jordan Matthews, right? Um, best, I don't know. Best for your buck. Well, I don't know what Blunt's number is right now. I don't think it's. The- I got the MFL 10 up here. Let me check it out. Because, I mean, like you said, I think we have met 11. I think 8 to to 10 is more fair, but I think there could be a high ceiling on how many times he punches in the end zone. And if he does take a lot of that workload, I mean, it could certainly be top 10 guys. Blunt's round eight right now. Yeah, that's... We have, we have him as the 22nd best running back right now. I'll go with him. Okay. I think that's probably fair. Matthews or Blunt, both guys are going to, I think, produce phenomenal value. So, Alright, last team in the NFC East, the Washington Redskins. Big addition to that squad. Terrell Pryor. Also had Samaj P. Ryan in the draft. 
and not really an addition, but they're going to get what looks like a full year of Josh Doxson, last year's first-round pick. Battled some Achilles injuries last year. Um, how do you feel about these new additions of the Redskins offense, an offense that was super productive last year? They lost Pierre Garçon and Deshaun Jackson, so did they do enough to replace those guys? I'm, I'm cautious about Pryor. I, I just, I don't know, something about guys that kind of just hit the ground running and come out of nowhere, and then the NFL finds ways to take him away. So I'm cautiously optimistic about him. Uh, I think you know what you have with Crowder, guy that's going to run all the routes underneath and be a kind of a, more of a PPR monster. Um, extremely excited about Doxson. He's a burner. Uh, guy that can make some big plays and fill into that Jackson-type role and have a couple big games. He's a Good ball bet. winner, too. Yeah, and he can burn. So I'm ex- I was excited about him. I had him in a ton of NF- MFLs last year before he got hurt. Um, haven't gotten him yet this year because his value is kind of going through the roof compared to what it was last year. Yeah, he's peaking right now. He seems to be going at the time when we're usually grabbing our quarterbacks. Right. So we haven't had a ton of luck um, in adding Doxon right now. Running back. Obviously, it's Rob Kelly to start. I think everybody is predicting that it'll be P. Ryan by the end of the year. Does that just make Rob Kelly more enticing? The fact that everyone's expecting a rookie to take his job? It doesn't the fact that it absolutely drops his ADP. I mean, the places we've been looking at him are so late where you're just you're okay with taking a guy that's got the first crack in the spots that we've been getting him. I I still like Rob Kelly. I don't think a lot of people had a ton of respect for what he did last year. Um, me and you both loved the way that he ran. Both said he ran hard. He just completely took that job from uh, who was the oh Mac Jones. Yeah, just took it from Mac Jones. Never gave it back. I think the knock on the Redskins has always been that they didn't really have a running game with Cousins back there ever since Alfred Morris left. And that's why Cousins has had the numbers that he's had. But Rob Kelly has a lot of motivation to stay in this league. Undrafted undrafted guy has really turned himself into a starting running back in the league. So I don't see any reason why he can't hold on to this job. I know P. Ryan is a super talented dude coming out of Oklahoma. Uh, Chris Thompson's job is pretty safe. So it seems to be Kelly or P. Ryan is going to be the feature back. And I just want to be clear that Kelly's going to have to go out there and lose this job. And with all the passing targets that they have around him and the fact that you have to respect Kirk Cousins under center, I don't think he's going to give it up that easily. Yeah, I agree. Um, last guy I want to talk about here real quick. You already talked about Doxon, but and you talked about Crowder's value, but... I want to look at the comparison because there's a clear comp to me for Jamison Crowder. 
and I think he's going much later than that clear comp and I just want to see <clears throat> he is good 17 picks later than Jarvis Landry is Jamison Crowder Jarvis Landry is end of the third round start of the fourth and Crowder's gone mid-fifth do you see any reason to like Landry that much more than Crowder no I don't you know that I can't stand Jarvis Landry <laughs> no, they're, they're both kind of high volume low touchdown guys but I think Crowder, I think Crowder's got a clearer path to touchdowns than Landry. You, how much more do you like Cousins than Tannehill? Yeah, it's I mean, not the, close. <laughs> the offense itself is not close. Yeah, but hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of time, I'll take a guy that's in a better offense if it's close, way before a guy that is in a not very ideal situation. That's just what my is in. <laughs> I mean, you have to respect Jordan Reed in this offense in this passing game. We haven't even talked about him yet, and he's the best target that Cousins has. I think Pryor, everyone's excited about him, and um, cornerbacks seem to want to go after Pryor, too. So I think Crowder's just going to fall by the wayside. You have to also respect Doxon's speed, as you mentioned um, in the beginning here. So I'm expecting a big year from Crowder. I think he could be a super, super great value um, this year in the passing game. So with that being said, who's your favorite Redskin? My favorite Redskin. Where did they go? Oh, there they are. Um, Where did they go? <laughs> I'm gonna go with without looking at ADPs and where they're going. Just looking at strictly production. I'm gonna go with Jordan Reed. Let me check out ADP numbers while I got it up right here. I said without ADP in mind. I just want to, I'm curious. Um, Jordan Reed is going... Probably third. Early fourth. Yeah. That's a good buy. Yeah, I mean, we did it in one league. Total health issues, but fourth round you're comfortable with. Um, My favorite's Kirk Cousins. It's no sneak... No sneaky take here. I love Kirk Cousins. The fantasy production is just not respected at all, and I, I don't understand why. I'm interested to see how he'll do with some new targets, but ninth round for Kirk Cousins, I mean, I think he's pretty much a lock to be a top-ten quarterback, and if you're getting him in the ninth round, I don't know. I feel like you've put 20 quarterbacks in the top ten. I might be wrong with no, that. No, I but. said there's a path to Wentz being top 10. I wouldn't be surprised. Cousins is top 10. And I said there's a path to Dak being top 10. That path probably involves Cousins not being top 10. <laughs> if those guys are top 10. But, um, no, where do we have Cousins ranked? Uh, quarterback. Kirk Cousins, we have him 11th. That's blasphemy. So, Cam, we have him at 9. I think if we were to redo everything, I don't think we'd have Cam at 9 anymore. And we have Mariota at 10. No secret, I love Mariota this year too, but 
I feel safer with Cousins. So, Kirk Cousins yep. is my favorite Redskin. We also have Derek Carr down the list there, too. I think he could move up. You're right. We also have Jameis at 5 right now, so we need to look at that. And we have Ben at 16 because we put injury concerns into it. Well, he's, he's going to miss a game. There's a, a lot, lot of good quarterbacks. What's that? There's a lot of good quarterbacks. Yeah, that top 10 could be tight. Right. Uh, least favorite Redskin. Hey. Um, oh, that hurt. <laughs> least favorite Redskin. I don't want it to be, but I guess it has to be Rob Kelly. Just because of the threat of Piran? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if he... I don't, I don't, I don't think that Rob Kelly keeps this job without being great. I mean, like, he's going to have to be really good to keep it. Yeah, you're saying, like, even if he's okay, there's a good chance they go to Piran just to see what he's got. Because he yeah, is, he's an electric player. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to underplay Piran saying that I can see why Kelly has motivation to keep this job. Piran is good. And I don't think that I don't think that Kelly has to wholesale lose the job in order for it to affect his fantasy value big. I think if Piran starts eating into slowly takes a series here, takes a series there, all of a sudden Rob Kelly's not nearly as sexy as you want him to be. Because I mean, how many carries are there honestly going to be in that offense? If Piran eats into it a little bit. And, I mean, Rob Kelly showed some explosiveness. He had a couple big runs. At, what, was that a playoff game where he busts out those big runs? Or was no, that... no, it was against the Packers. Yeah. Got me over you and Fandle that night. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, with that being said, I think if he eats into it at all with what's presumably limited carries, Kelly's just a guy that seems to me that he's going to need – 13 carries a game to kind of get get too much. I mean, I still think he'll be that goal line guy, but I don't know that the goal line guy in the Redskins offense is what it is in other offenses. I think Jordan Reed is really the goal line guy. Jordan Reed and Cousins has shown before he's a QB draw guy. Um, there's a lot of athleticism in his game too, so you have to be worried about that because he may drop back looking for Reed, but... Yeah, he may tuck it and go go take it himself. So that's fair. I mean, we have 610 passes allotted right now for Kirk Cousins. That's a lot. Obviously, you can't have high rushing volume with that many pass attempts. So I agree there. Kelly's probably um, the least favorite. But going back to what you said in the beginning, as much as I really like Terrell Pryor and think he's a good fit for this team, I, I don't think... I'll have him on any teams this year because I think his his ADP is probably too high. I'd much rather wait for Crowder to get a piece of this game, this passing offense, um, than go out and get Pryor. So, breakout candidate in the Redskins offense, Josh Doxson. Yes, sir. Has to be. There's a lot of talent to like there. Um, haven't really seen, I don't think, a TCU wide receiver in the NFL. So, no one to even really comp him to. But, uh, 
I'm, I'm excited to see this dude play. Heard, heard a lot about it, just haven't seen it yet, so. I agree. And finally, who's the fantasy MVP on the Redskins? Could it be a guy like P. Ryan? Uh, I don't know. It's too early for me to go there. Maybe in a couple weeks we could say that. Once we see how things start shaking out. If they fall out of love early with Kelly, which they definitely could. So then it's going to be Crowder because he's a pretty clear wide receiver too that you can get in the fifth round? Yeah, I think for me it's Crowder or Cousins. I think Cousins could be a top ten guy. We have a lot of Jamison Crowder love, and right now we have him 53rd amongst wide receivers, so we might need to take a look at that. But um, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we just don't have a lot of touchdowns coming his way. So. Yeah, we only gave him five and a half targets a game, too. I don't really know if that's a good number. He could go for that. I think we were really high on prior when we did the Redskins. Uh, we split Pryor and Reed. We gave eight a game. Yeah, I don't know if Pryor's going to get eight a game. Yeah, that's probably a little lofty. And you have to play in the fact that Reed's probably going to miss a game or two. Right. So, when we revisit the ranks, Crowder could get a boost. Um, Kirk Cousins is also a candidate for MVP if you get him in the ninth round. Yep. So, a lot of talent to like. After doing this, do you still like the NFC South over the NFC East? I feel like we did the NFC South a month ago. It was earlier this month. Um, I just didn't know if talking about these guys got you more excited, because I think this is a monster division. I think it did, but I think... You still have the Saints and Falcons, which are, and you're high on Tampa. Yeah. I just think there's a lot more, I don't know, it feels safer in the NFC South. It feels like guys that have done it more. I feel like it's a lot of speculatory value. <laughs> so like, this guy could be great. You know? A lot of new faces in this division. Yeah, that's it's a lot of new faces with a lot of new guys. Who knows? I mean, Jeffrey's a head case. Who knows if it goes well? Yeah. Marshall's a head case. Who knows if it goes well? I, if there's a, I know there's I, a clear-cut path to Beckham and Marshall throwing up Dukes in camp. Yeah, yeah, could be. I mean, Marshall says he wants to take him under his wing because he sees a lot of him, a young Brandon Marshall in Beckham, but how do we know Beckham doesn't take him under his wing and bring Marshall back to the days where he was swatting away passes in training camp in Miami? <laughs> Um, the one thing I know for sure is I could I wouldn't be surprised if any of these four teams won this division. Yeah. I think it's probably the most wide open. I feel it's been for years though, like I yeah. when's the last time that someone repeated as a winner of this division? It's been a while, but for all the love and the cowboys that we're hearing and how they're a clear cut dominant team in this division I wouldn't be shocked if they finished last. Not at all. Zeke misses four games. They get themselves on a hole. That defense is not very good. 
Dak doesn't do what everyone thinks he's going to do, and they're back in the, you know, top ten. We've seen it happen with teams that get this first-place schedule. That's what kills me about living where we live and hearing about this division. It's all Everyone's always saying it's the best division in football, this, that, the other thing, but they never win anything. No. Just because someone different wins a division every year, it's always competitive. Whether they all win, whether it's a battle to see who gets the seven wins first to win the division or 12 wins first, doesn't mean it's the best division. No. It contains a lot of parity. No, I mean, the Giants have won two Super Bowls in the last 10 years, but other than that, I don't even think any of them even played in the Super Bowl in the last 10 years. They haven't. So. Whenever the Eagles won, was that's the only other one. That was 2004 or 5. So. I'm fine. All right. That wraps up the NFC East and the NFC all together. We'll move on to the AFC and start tackling those those teams and those divisions. Um, a lot of big talent in the AFC as well. So I think there's – I think the talent pool this year is really deep compared to most years. you agree with that? I mean, we always say we feel pretty good about our teams up until about round 10, and then it starts to get dropped off. But, um, yeah, I think I th- most years you had about six rounds that you felt good. Yeah, I think it's because of the way the NFL's transitioned, too. I mean, there was a, wasn't that long ago where you weren't looking at the third receiver on a team being like, man, this guy could, this guy could be sneaky value. You know, he could get a lot of catches, a lot of targets. But that's the way that NFL's transitioned. We've gone away from, 40 rushing attempts a game to 40 passing attempts a game, which obviously opens up the value for more guys. Uh, a lot of teams with split ball carriers. That I mean, back in the day, there wasn't a lot of teams you could look at and be cool with a pass catching running back as your flex and things like that. So, I mean, the way the NFL's transitioned has certainly opened up the talent pool and how deep you can get guys in drafts that carry value. Well said. All right, thanks for talking NFC East tonight with me, Ed. Um, go out and find us on Red Triangle on Twitter at Red Triangle 23 Find the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes. Make sure to subscribe so you get all the latest updates throughout the year um, from the two of us and eventually Shane Stein. Maybe Shane Stein, eventually. Um, don't hang your hat on that. Yeah, don't plant your flag on Shane being a part of this, but... Um, anyway, go out and find us. We're starting to run some Twitter polls to start to see how some of our followers feel about things. And we did break ground on Saturday on the inaugural Red Triangle Sports Draft Guide. I don't know how we're going to get it out to people, if we'll get it out to people this first year. Um, it may just be something that we develop and pass out to our friends and then kind of verify to see how we do to see if we can get a second one out here, but... There will be a document putting our projections on paper and holding us accountable to what we need to do. Awesome. <laughs> so, look for that. Um, we may share snippets of it on Twitter just so people can get a can get a piece of what we're putting out there. But AFC coming soon. Hoping to have these all wrapped up by the 
hopefully by the first preseason games, maybe we'll have all these done. That may be a lofty goal, but I think it's something we should look push forward for. So thanks again to Ed. I'm the Denver Desert Dog, Matt Kozlowski, and uh, we'll talk soon.